Hello and welcome to another episode. Today we start with the topic, new AI science channels are spreading misinformation and stealing engagement. This was put in the suggested rambles. I watched it, but I don't really feel like I have much to add to the story. You may have seen this video by Carl Hill. If you haven't, watch it. I mean, you probably have because he's a very popular dude. I don't know much of his work. I've, I've seen him around. He obviously is a very memorable dude. I mean, look at that hair. But um, the video is just about how he believes, and I agree with him, there are a lot of people who are using AI to write random scripts about science topics, generating thumbnails that are random nonsense like this, and then having AI read those scripts. And they're just like spamming out the videos a bunch each day. And they're getting enough views that it's worth them doing. And there's channels with hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of views doing this. And uh, it's obviously not good for the platform because there's no creativity in this. A lot of it's just ripping off other people's work. And a lot of it is misinformation, sensationalized garbage, a bunch of buzzwords. Like you'd think that the stuff would get clicked on. People would realize that it's just bullshit and then click away. But I guess not enough people do that or it gets enough clicks initially that the algorithm still pushes it. But as I often say, there is only a finite amount of attention going around and only a finite amount of impressions that can be pushed on the platform. The idea that impressions are being used to promote AI generated garbage rather than people actually making creative, innovative content is terrible. And I agree with everything Carl says here. Watch this video, YouTube science scam crisis. And uh, I hope something is done to resolve this or YouTube is aware of the problem. We all speculated that AI was going to be used to try to make a mock of the creative process, cut out all the effort required, like you press one button and you just get like dozens of videos. It obviously has not reached the point yet where they're perfect, but they have obviously reached the point where they can make some money. I miss when Susan was the CEO. I told you, man, the second she left, everything went to shit. The second she left, man, reaction channels doubled, scam channels doubled. Like it's, it's she was the dam holding back the flood of garbage. Given how far this all goes back, obviously this has been going on for a long time and I don't notice. The reason Carl notices is because he's in this science space. I'm not in that space, so I've never seen this stuff. There's the thing, right? On YouTube, at any given time, there's dozens of different little scams that are going on that everyone can't be aware of. But you'd hope that YouTube would be aware of this stuff. What types of YouTube commentary content are ethical? So I once wrote a general criticism of the way that a lot of people do their commentary on YouTube, where people will force themselves to talk for eight minutes about things that they know nothing about just because popular on Twitter and whatnot. I'm obviously not that way. If you watch my rambles, not only are they not dedicated videos to one particular topic, they're usually focused on myself or things that directly affect me. Things I'm knowledgeable in to a greater or lesser degree. Sometimes I'll just be talking about my blinds. I'm not merely talking about like the popular drama going on right now or other creators who have no real impact on me in any capacity. It's stuff of direct relevance to me, at least 99% of the time. I do call this commentary. It's mainly that I do it in a way that I think is ethical and responsible. And other channels, on a case-by-case -case basis, I could tell you whether I think how they're treating their commentary is ethical. And I'm sure everyone can make such judgments of other people's content. Like, I'm not unique in that aspect. My main issue about commentary channels is like they sometimes are clickbaity, in nature and sometimes just add negativity to the world. So I rarely follow them aside from what I consider to be okay-ish commentary channels. It is just a fact of YouTube that being the first out with the latest news and framing it in a negative way will bring you the greatest amount of views. YouTube incentivizes that. So the nanosecond something is popular, get it up on YouTube instantly, no research, 
clickbaity title. This is terrible. You have to watch this. The world's coming to an end to get those views. Obviously, all information isn't even necessarily available the nanosecond something happens. It would be more responsible to take time, wait for things to settle, to get all the information, but commentary channels, it's not the best thing for them to do, right? My rambles will often come out many days after whatever I'm talking about is particularly relevant in the public sphere. And, and that's not ideal for me. Like I would much prefer my rambles to come out more quickly and specifically when they were relevant. But even if they came out like the nanosecond I started talking about them, I'm still not first to the punch on anything that's particularly popular right now. Because that isn't my goal. I am not trying to become the hit commentary channel talking about everything under the sun. I just like rambling about my thoughts about things. I do feel like I have insight on some things that can be useful to some people and it can be entertaining and it's enjoyable for me to do. YouTube is getting rid of the stories feature. Most of you are probably like, why is your screen so bright? This is terrible. I'm trying to get to sleep. But some of you others will be saying like, what were YouTube stories? Like, I don't even know what those were. And some people didn't have access to them. I'm not even sure I could make a story anymore, but it was just something where you made like a, a small clip and it disappeared after seven days. I didn't really get it, but I think it was copying Instagram or Snapchat. And of course they're getting rid of it because very few people used it and it's taking up space that could show like shorts and stuff. But yeah, so I feel this is no loss for the platform. When I polled people a while back, whether they watched stories or knew what they were, it was only a minority of people who did. And obviously shorts have taken off far more than stories ever did. Like no one was putting in huge effort to make something that's gonna disappear in seven days. And if you wanted to communicate to your community, you'd of course just make a community post. This GT5 video proves the existence of cougars in missions. So many of you likely know Silver Finish because he made a handful of clips of me for Pacifist and he made the Cougar mod, which uh, the video is doing quite well, so it was great. But I hope most of you have actually checked out his channel because the stuff he made for me, he also makes for himself. So this video, GT5 Michael Locks His Doors, is very funny and I highly recommend it. So I'm going to show just the end because it has a vague reference to me. But this setup as to how they get here is very interesting and I highly recommend checking it out. Hey, you know, that was pretty fun. Wait, hold on. There are cougars. The missions always have been. <laughs> ah! I was not at all expecting that. It's very funny. Trust me, the rest of the video as well is also very good. How they reach that point is great. It's always funny to me that Michael and what's the guy's name from Red Dead Redemption 2? They both have the exact same ability. And so every single time I reference Michael having that ability, anyone who doesn't know that he has it thinks that I'm making a reference to Red Dead Redemption 2. Arthur Morgan, that's it. Do remember as well that Murfish is another person who's helped me out in the past making GTA Machinima, and he makes some very good stuff. I think he's criminally underviewed, in part because his thumbnails are not very good. You likely know him from stuff, and it's hard with GTA being out as long as it has been to make something truly original and stuff, but he makes some crazy stuff purely out of passion, seemingly. But his GT5 ending F is quite good. Check out this if you like uh, GTA Machinima. Then again, like, it's not liking GTA Machinima, it's liking the jokes that are told via that medium, right? It's like saying, hey, check out this anime 
if you like anime. My latest GTA Guesser video is gaining sudden popularity for no apparent reason. My latest GTA Guesser video, edited by Ayn, is uh, popping off for some reason. Like, it had been four months, I think in the video it says seven months, but whatever. It's been quite a while since I've done an episode, four months. Nine months since the last time I versed chat, but it's got 400,000 views in six days. But what's weird is there's nothing impressive about the analytics. The click-through rate is about expected. The engagement is 12 minutes, so it's only getting to like 33%. And down here you can see this go, uh... I mean, these aren't bad numbers, but they're just like normal numbers. Like you can see here, like typical retention, and it's barely on the line of typical. As saying the click-through rate isn't amazing, so what's what's up with this video? Maybe because of the thumbnail, but yeah, again, but the click-through rate isn't high. If it was the thumbnail, then it'd be the click-through rate. People would be like, oh, that's a cool thumbnail I'm clicking, but they're not. So I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like it was edited to a much higher professional standard than most of them have been, but um, that's what Iron traditionally does. But uh, as I say, I can't explain it using the analytics, so algorithm does weird things sometimes. Does your YouTube channel impact video performance? So there is this dude, the YouTube liaison. He does work at YouTube in some capacity. I don't know exactly what his role is, but he does seem to have some insider knowledge into how YouTube works or has believed to work. Like I've seen him, I'm pretty sure, in official YouTube stuff. So someone asked him, does leaving videos on your channel that did not perform well bring your channel down? Or does performance the last 28, last 30, last 365 days negate that sum? Does a three-year-old video impact your channel? And he says, no, YouTube tends not to look at the channel or creator, but at the video and topic. Just because one video didn't perform well, doesn't mean the next video won't be the best one ever. So it wouldn't be good for anyone if recommendations were biased based on past performance. So this is something I have said for the longest time, that it is clearly possible for you to release a bad video, one that does poorly in the algorithm, not many people watch, and then have the next one be absolutely amazing. I've had videos that have been like half a million, 20,000, half a million in that order. But in saying this, I don't think this is as true as I once thought it was. My experience, especially with making my Rambles channel, demonstrates this to me quite strongly. In that my Rambles on my main channel could get somewhere between 50 and 80,000 views from recommendations. But now that I made a new channel, and I put the exact same content on there, in, in some ways even better content than what I was making on my main channel, those videos now get somewhere between like 20 and 40,000, half. If it were the case, that the algorithm didn't care about the channel that the video was on. The rambles being watched on that channel would still be finding the exact same audience they were finding on the main channel. Especially considering that the people who subscribed and first started watching those videos were a large chunk of the same audience that watched them on my main channel. So the algorithm, thinking smart, would be like, oh, 40,000 people are watching these videos. Oh, and they also used to watch these other videos or whatever, so let's connect these two dots. But it can't do that. The channel has to matter to some degree. In the same way that Ludwig once upon a time convinced Mr. Beast to let Ludwig release a Mr. Beast video on the Ludwig channel. And that Mr. Beast video got like, what was it, one-tenth or one-fifth of views or whatever that Mr. Beast gets on his main channel? Yeah, so like, this is just a Mr. Beast video. Like it was literally edited for the Mr. Beast channel, made for the Mr. Beast channel, and Mr. Beast just didn't think it was that good. So Ludwig eventually convinced him to release it on his channel. So it's still got 12 million views because it's a Mr. Beast video, but this video on Mr. Beast's channel would have got like 70 million views, easy. But because it's on a different channel, nope. The channel clearly matters. That isn't to say that a video you released a year ago is necessarily hurting you in the algorithm, but it does seem pretty obvious that the algorithm gives like additional credibility to videos and will spread them further if they come from a channel that more often 
puts out bangers. Like if you have a channel where every single video you make is just like everyone wants to see it on the entire goddamn platform, it just makes sense that it's going to spread that faster than a channel where like it's only one in every 10. So you do want to divide your channels if the content you're making actually targets different audiences. But as I say, I just don't know. I just think it's possible for videos to perform so well that they kind of break free to an extent. This is currently my theory. Different channels have different like core audiences of different sizes in the algorithm. So my main channel has like, let's just say this is like 50,000 people. And if all those 50,000 people love the video, the algorithm's like, this is a super banger. Let's like shove it to like everyone in the goddamn stratosphere. Like, like this is another million people, whatever. And they um, just keep doing that, expanding out and expanding, expanding out until uh, people stop clicking the video kind of thing. But um, the larger your channel, probably the larger this amount of people is. And thus the faster it grows. So if like significant enough people hit it there, then like it, this goes out to 10 million or something, right? Who knows? Algorithm confusing, what I'm trying to say. I wasted my chance to get the best cat ever. The cat story is barely a thing, but I said before that I'd tell you it. Basically, I went downstairs and I realized my front porch lights were on because I've been watering my grass out there and I have to leave the sprinkler going and stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I looked out and there was this beautiful white cat and it just stared at me. Under normal circumstances, cats will just like run away when they get seen or whatever sometimes. Or, or like you move and they will leave. And so I'm like sitting at my door, like looking out through the slits or whatever at it. And it's looking at me and I'll like move away and it will just stay there. And I'll look back and it will just not care. At one point it like took two steps back and then looked at me. Like it looked as if it assumed that I was going to open the door for it. And I sincerely considered doing so. I didn't see that it had a collar, but it was so cute. Pure white, like snow. But I ended up not doing it because it was 2 a.m. So this cat comes in to my house. What am I meant to do about that? If it's like a wild cat or something, like that's just gonna ruin all my stuff. I've got nothing, nowhere to put it, nowhere to care for it or whatever. I think I'm better off just leaving it about its business. And so it went off away, but I'm like, man, I could have like pat it and stuff and I'm sure I wasn't dreaming. Yes, I go to bed at like 6 a.m. whatever right now, I was not asleep. But that was the cat story. I had a chance to finally get a cat and nature provided and I said no. <laughs> but yeah, that's the cat story. So previously I talked about how I saw a white cat outside of my house, outside my door early in the morning at 2 a.m. This is the cat. I was in my car and it walked by and I was like, oh, I could pat it or something. And I took a picture, I got out and then it looked at me and went down into the gutter. But that is what the cat looks like. But yeah, cute cat. I lost a ton of subscribers out of nowhere. It might surprise you over a year how many subscribers I lose on YouTube. I think I might have talked about this in passing, but there's a reason I want to bring it up again. So within the last year, I lost 150,000 subscribers. I gained like 500,000. So obviously I'm up 350,000, but there are 150,000 people who were like, yeah, I'm not really interested in this anymore. Obviously it's not malice necessarily or whatever. It's just, you know, you get bored of content every single day. I do the same thing. It's just a natural part of life that you see enough of a creator and you're like, hey, I want to watch something else. No dramas there. But you can see here that there's two interesting spikes or maybe three. This back here is the effect of Charlie. I regained all those subscribers next, but this is just subscribers lost. That's showing here. But then you can see this line here, other. I'm losing a bunch of subscribers and I'm just like, why? But more importantly over here, on the 15th of May, I lost 1500 subscribers compared to my normal amount, which is like 200 a day or something. And I was like, what the hell is this? It says subscriptions from other sources and that's it. So I was like, what could that be? It can't be closed accounts because that's its own separate thing. I guess it could be just bots at that particular point. They just decided to remove like a heap of them. 
It's not from notification, they send one of these other ones too. Like, I assume it's something YouTube's specifically doing. But weirdly enough, though, like, I gained some subscribers from other. Like, I gained 20,000 subscribers from other, and I lost 40,000 from other. So it must be some part of some system that people have access to because they can subscribe from it. Either that, or maybe it's something like, these are accounts that YouTube suspects are doing something weird. And so, like, they terminate them temporarily, and then they come back online. In the same way, the closed accounts down here, I gained 2,000 subscribers from closed accounts. I assume that means that people got their accounts back and the subscriptions applied again. But also interesting about these statistics, when you compare my subscribers gained to subscribers lost, it becomes readily apparent that I'm not really growing. It should be obvious if you look at many different metrics, but if you ignore the amount of subscribers I gained from shorts, which total 50% of the subscribers that I got, I only really gained like 50,000 subscribers over the last year. I lost 150,000 and gained 200,000 from non-short sources. So if it wasn't for shorts, like propping up my numbers, my channel would look pretty dire. <laughs> it's not immediately obvious how much shorts impacts your channel in a positive way. So in the last 30 days, I got 32 million shorts views and I got $2,000 for that. Pretty cool, but it's, uh, obviously the RPM of six cents per thousand views isn't great. <laughs> but here's something funny. I have removed all of my live content from YouTube, as in all my old VODs and stuff. I think I privated them now, like you can't access them. But for some reason, people were still able to view them 1600 times. Maybe they had tabs open somewhere, I'm not sure. But this is what it says for me now. It says I gained $352 from live videos over the last 28 days. Views 1.6K, but it says the revenue per thousand views is $217. To put that into perspective, like my normal content gets $4 per 1,000 views. Wouldn't it be great to have a system where I was getting $217 per 1,000 views on my normal content? Okay, maybe I only find that funny, but uh, maybe one day. I think my channel's going pretty well right now because I've produced some pretty cool stuff. I've found some more people to help me with editing and stuff, and I'm trying to record more things that people can work on and whatnot. Yeah, my views are looking good, revenue is going up and stuff, and uh, so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the future. It's unfortunate that I still can't sleep very well, but like I woke up at like 2 p.m. today, but what can you do? So I do my best despite that. I'm considering no longer wearing tank tops. So the other thing I want to announce is a potential big change for the Dark Fight AU Empire. Put this out in my community post. I am considering no longer wearing tank tops and moving to exclusively wearing shirts. This would be the biggest change of my entire career. Top 10 creative ways people ended their careers, according to Ryan. Cuckoo Rosa says, Maddo finally got enough editors to afford sleeves. Congrats, this is a big step. Man is rebranding his entire existence. I'm not sure that I can handle this much change. You can't afford sleeves, don't lie, Maddo. This moment we put in history books, an important part of gaming history. Don't go down this dark path, Maddo. We know this ends with an only sleeves account. Why would I do this? I think at a glance, wearing a tank top, while somewhat conveying like a, a casual feel, communicates a non-serious motif. Like people think less of you, are more dismissive of you for wearing this attire. It is iconic, yes, but um, I've received a handful of comments over the years with people saying like, your tank top sucks or whatever. That's not why I'm doing this, but I'm kind of sick of the look. It's been this many years. I'm not sure if I will or not, but uh, I am thinking about it. My VOD channel is bringing new viewers to my main channel. I thought I did this poll before, but I couldn't find it, so I did it again. I said on my VOD channel, Hey all, I'm curious if this channel is reaching new people, or just those familiar with my work from elsewhere. So I polled people, and 86% said they watched my other channels prior to finding the VOD channel. 
4% says they used to watch my other channels, but started again with the VOD channel. And 7% said they had not watched my content on other channels before and only found me through the VOD channel. And 3% said they don't watch the VOD channel. So there's random people who happen to see the poll. So like 11% of people on the channel, it's thousands of people only found me because I made this channel, which is a pretty good thing, I think. Although a lot of it is probably Binding of Isaac. Like a lot of it is. Uh, so yeah, VOD channel causing a little bit of growth, which is cool. Be sure to smash that subscribe and like button, squad fam. I wish you all the best. <laughs>